0: Welcome to Southside Student Ministries Podcast, where we are all about developing students into lifelong followers of Jesus. We trust that the message that you are about to listen to will help you know God better and help you live a transformed life. If you have any questions about what you heard, please visit us online at www.southsidestudentmin.com. Thank you for listening. Oh, welcome back to SM. This is the final week of the series Lost and Found. You guys have the slips in front of you, um, but I, there is nothing on the PowerPoint behind me. We're all on no PowerPoints. So I'll tell you what to write down. You can write in extra stuff if you want, but there will not be something on the screen to follow along with. The answer is why, and the answer is I ran out of time, so uh, my bad. But before we jump in, I want to ask you guys a question. When you first get a job, how, I'm guessing how many of you guys actually have a job and no living is not a job? How many actually go to work and get paid? Yeah? Bert, you got a job? Would you yeah. count mowing jobs? Yes, I would count mowing jobs as as okay. that. I would count that. Nicole, you have a job. Get your hand up. You're the cleaning lady. So let me guys ask you this. When you first start a job, what's one of the first things companies make you do? Well, yep, yep, yep. Wait, what? Wait, what? Draw. Actually, fun fact: Verizon what? stopped making people do drug tests because every single person fails. So they're just like, "We're never gonna have any employees." So that's not like code for if you're on drugs, go to Verizon. That was not code for that. That's totally gonna be on Spotify this week on the podcast. Okay. Um, no, but what's the first thing you actually have to go to when you get a first job? About that? after you sign the contract, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Kelly. Oh, you put your hand okay. back down. Well, like, what do you mean? Like you fill all your tax. Well, you, yeah, you fill out your W twos. You you um. You get training. What's the what's a training call that for your job? It starts with the O. Orientation. orientation. That's right. We are say we're going to can say orientation does. See, Mark, my, my job. I don't have to do anything. Mine's off the books. Mm. That's the best. We call that tax free baby. All right. So, but you go to something called orientation. Now, does anyone know what like why you like what's the point of orientation? Someone let me know. Why 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 is there orientation? Why is that even such a thing? Yeah, Gabe. Teach how to do your job right. It teaches you how to do your job right, but more than just that. What does orientation also teach you? More than just how to do your own job. How to do all the jobs. We're gonna go to the bar. Exactly. So it lets you know, like, so if you go to Dairy Queen, when I first got my, actually both at Chick Fil A and Dairy Queen, I like I got the job. I signed the W two or W four. I don't remember which one is which. I think it's W. When you first get a job, and they send you two for taxes, or is it flip? I don't know. But but either way, so after I signed my forms, I told them how much money I want taxes taken, all kind of stuff. They were like, "Hey, welcome to orientation. Watch these DVDs for like four hours, and they're the cheesiest, stupidest things you could ever imagine." But the purpose of these orientations is, hey, here's what the company's all about. Here's what we're trying to accomplish, and here's how you can help us accomplish this mission. And if the job is actually good and you have a good boss, if you fail to actually take the comp- help the company go where they're supposed to go, they're going to drop your sorry butt and find someone else who wants to do it. That's the purpose of, of, of a job orientation is so you know exactly. Exactly what you're getting into and the expectations that you have going into the job. In fact, all of our leaders here at SM actually have jobs and roles and descriptions and expectations of what the church and I expect out of our leaders. They actually have it in writing. Also, for your student leadership team members, the very first meeting, you guys remember that? We kind of talked about, like, here's, here's kind of the dream I've always had with youth group, and here's where we're trying to go, here's what we're trying to accomplish, here's how you guys can do that, because I think I can't do it without you guys. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you guys probably weren't paying attention, but maybe you guys remember that. I don't, I don't know. As I, I had a dream, and then gave like, like Martin Luther King Jr., and I said, yeah, kind of. We kind of rolled with it. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's okay. But, thank you, Cassidy. But we did that because I wanted the student leaders to know, hey, here's where we're trying to go. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. I can't get there on my own. I need other teams to be able to help me get there as well as the leaders to help us get where we need to go. And here's my expectation of you as a student leader. Because if you don't know what you're supposed to do, you cannot be successful in what you're trying to accomplish. All right. If you don't know what you're supposed to do, you cannot be successful in what you're trying to accomplish. I believe many Christians have failed to go through orientation. What does that mean? I think a lot of Christians have failed to go, failed to go through what's the purpose of Christianity? What is Christianity trying to accomplish? and those we kind of get, but the last one, what's expected of you in order to help Christianity get to where Jesus wants it to go. I will make the bold statement that most people in the church, actually, not our church, but just the church in America, have no idea what's expected of them as Christians. And before you, we ended this series, I thought we were all done with this thing, but I'm like, you know what? We need to look at what it means for when you go from lost to found and what that expectation is of you that we need to have as Christians. Because um, the tough question is, is... Uh, well, no, we're going we're gonna to get back to that. We're going to get back to that in a minute. But tonight, we are going to ask a tough question, okay? Here's the tough question. This is going to put all, we're going to put all the cards out, all right? This is for all the marbles. Here's the question. It's going to be a very tough one. Am I living like I have been found, or am I living like I hate God? That, I don't know if that's on your slip or not. I don't think it is. But the question is, is it, do I live my life as if I have been found? In other words, do I live like Jesus expects me to live, or do I live as if, I hate God. And before we even jump into this conversation, I need to get some caveats, okay? There's some kind of ground rules that we need to make sure we hit before we even start reading the Bible and talk about this, okay? So here's a few ground rules and just caveats that you guys need to remember, okay? Number one is doing good will not cause God to love you more, and doing bad will not cause God to love you less, okay? Doing more good does not mean God loves you more, and doing Actually, like, bad things does not cause you to make God love you any less. However, well, because God's love is unconditional. However, as we're going to read, you can actually, what's well, called grieve the spirit. In other words, you, it's kind of like you disappoint your dad. Your dad will never stop loving you, I hope. He'll never stop loving you, but you can really bring some hard disappointment, and that's almost sometimes worse. Um, second caveat, doing these actions that we're going to talk about will not save you if you are lost, but this is simply a response from being found as a Christian, this is what is now going to, should, your life should be marked by and what you should be doing. Number three, if you fail in some of these areas, this is where most Christians struggle. If you fail in some of the areas we're going to talk about tonight, that does not mean you are still lost. It just means that you are a human and in needs of God's grace and forgiveness every single day. So we're going to say at the very end of if you're a Christian, this is what's expected of you. And here's the hard reality. You're going to fail miserably. It's going to suck. You're not even going to even be close to doing the right thing sometimes. But here's the deal. That's okay. It's not okay to stay there. you got to keep progressing. But it's okay when you fail because God's mercies are new every morning. and He always is the God of second chances. But you have to make the decision that I want to follow this. So those three caveats in mind, here's the question that we have to ask today is, how do I live once I become found? So grab your Bibles, grab those Bibles. Go to Ephesians chapter four. If you don't have a Bible, you can shoot that hand up. We'll hook you up with one. We'll hook you up with one. Nathaniel, where's your tablet? I not okay. Marissa brought hers. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Uh, Ephesians four, verse starting in verse seventeen. So Last week, we were in Ephesians 2. This week, we're in Ephesians 4. Oh, Olivia, do you need a Bible, too? Guys, my leaders don't even bring Bibles. What's up? No, she was at an event like literally all day. The fact that she's even here, we should all give her a big hug for. So, With that lovely note, um, last week, we read Ephesians 2. We read the whole chapter, and we looked at this picture. Remember the picture we looked at, guys? We looked at the before and the after. We're talking about Chip and Joe? You know, we love watching HDTV because you see these piece of crap houses turn into these mansions, and you're like, that doesn't even look like the same house. How? It's TV. It's just TV. Ephesians 4. Um, it's just magic. Chip and Joe are just. It's Disney. So, but, which, by the way, my bathroom is like 99% done, like, and it looks better mm-hmm. than Chip and Joe. No, it does not. Because it's all furnished by the Property Brothers. That's who made, like, all the stuff in our bathroom. Pretty much. I mean, it's legit. But we looked at this picture before and after. Kind of the idea of, hey, this is, like, you were dead. But God made you new, and what does that mean? What's the benefits of being found? What's the blessings of being found? When you're a Christian, what does it mean for you? Not just how you're supposed to live, but as your identity. What does that mean for you? We talked about that last week, and if you forgot what we talked about last week, Check your notes. If you forgot your notes, you know, get a journal like Jessica Smith and just take them notes. So you can flip back and go, "Oh, okay, that's right," and then we can keep moving forward. Way to go, Jess! But with that lovely note, we set up this idea. This is who your identity is. But tonight, we're going to talk about now that you know what your identity is, how are you supposed to live? And the text we're going to read today, we see the Apostle Paul is going to do another before and after picture. So as we're reading, I want you guys to keep that thought in mind, before and after. So let's go into Ephesians 4, and let's read that passage. We're going to be reading Ephesians 4, verses 17 through verse— through, actually, we're going to read chapter 5 through verse 2. So let's start—let's go back row. We're going to start with the back row, Baptist. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17, and we're going to read through chapter 5, verse 2. 4, 17 through 5, 2. So we're going to start with Fairchild— and then we're gonna go to Cass. Oh, not Kobe's Col- hiding. Then after Kobe, we're gonna sneak to the front, and then we're gonna go Naya, and then Gabe, and then Madison. Like, sneak forward. Awesome. Thank you guys, even though they are I don't were they like marching around Jericho up there or something? Like, I don't even know. That was stupid loud. That was loud. We should get like sticks and just go boom, 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 every time they do it. That's what we did, that's what we did, in, that's what we did in college when people were above, we had a stick. Go, boom, boom. You know? Just, just, that's all we do. That's true. Actually, Subwoofer.
1: Just shred your. Just yeah, shred, just right.
0: shred. Anywho. All right, so in the passage we just read, we saw the Apostle Paul doing the before and after picture. It was kind of the idea of hey, this is what the people who are lost act like, this is what people who have been found should. Act like and we don't have a lot of time to get into some of the nitty-gritty details of every single verse and looking at okay they used to look like this and here's what the, all that means we don't time to look into all of that but we're going to kind of big picture some things dive really deep into other things and then big picture at the end so the big picture i want you guys to take away from people who are currently lost and what they live like your notes should pick up here is where is the big difference between the lost and the found and the answer is, As lost people look out only for themselves. This is where you pick <laughs> up. They look out only for themselves and don't care about anyone else or the consequences of their actions. That should be at the very top, right? Did I wrap it? Yeah, top right. Yeah, those who were lost, here you go, those who were lost look out for only themselves and don't care about anyone else or the consequences of their actions. Lost people look out only for themselves and don't care about anyone else or the consequences of their actions. In other words, if you do not follow after God, in fact, if you look at the world who doesn't follow after God, what do you see? You see people who are only looking out for the benefits of themselves. They don't care about anyone else. They just want to make sure they are taken care of because that's all that really matters in life. And the Apostle Paul says that's not the way you should live. In fact, you should live a completely separate life. You shouldn't even be marked by that because if you're living for yourself, that's proof that you actually are lost and that you potentially even hate god it's kind of a big picture when you think about it when the apostle paul uses such strong words as if when you live this way you live as if you're the like even jesus you live like your father the devil if you live only after yourself if you're extremely selfish that's the way someone who has not been found by jesus lives and so i'm ask you guys that question just think about it. is that the way you live is that the way you're marked is lived by or is your life actually marked by what the Apostle Paul then paints the picture. And this is where the question comes in is, how should found people live then? What are the marching orders? We know that, yeah, okay, Christianity is all about um, Jesus coming to Earth. Our mission is go make disciples of all all nations. That's what Jesus told us in the Great Commission. But then after that, how are you then supposed to live? How is a lost person supposed to be found? And here's the first way. all right. Just let's pick back up again. Here's the first way found people are supposed to live. Found people love others with their speech and actions. Found people love others with their speech and actions. All right, I'm going to need your guys' help with this. We're going to jump back into the Bible, okay? From verses 25 through verses 31, we see four commands regarding our speech and our actions. Look through those and let's nail off four. I want you guys to tell me the four things that the Apostle Paul says we're supposed to either talk like, or act like what's one of them, Daniel? Speak truth. Speak truth and don't what? Well, lie. Don't. don't lie. Yep, don't lie. There's one. Go for it, Marista. In your anger, do not sin. In your anger, that's a fun one. How you do that? We'll find out. What's another one? What's another one? That's two. two Chance. Speak truth. Wait, no, no, no. Jesus lifting tables. In righteous anger. So we have, uh, we have uh, tell the truth and don't lie. We have, you know, anger, like don't let the sun set on your anger. What's the third one? Yeah, Josh. No foul language. No foul language. We're going we're gonna to go on that one pretty hard tonight. That's actually a fun conversation. What's the fourth one, Madison? Testify in the Lord. Testify in the Lord. Um, there's actually one regarding your actions specifically, because that is part of a testify to the Lord. That's part of your speech, but one regarding your actions. Is that Nathaniel? sounds to don't steal so these are the four caveats of how we're actually supposed to love people with our actions and now here's the question okay uh speak the truth be angry and don't sin don't steal and uh basically like encourage others and build them up, like don't don't, like speak foul language or whatnot. So when you put all four kind of into a big picture thing, when you get the main gif of what these four things are trying to communicate, basically, we're, I mean, obviously, we're supposed to always tell the truth. We're not supposed to lie. We deal with our anger, and here's the deal, in appropriate ways. Be angry and do not sin. If you're angry, deal with it appropriately. The third one is... And this is where it gets kind of fun. It says, don't take what's not yours, but rather work and bless someone else. That's kind of a fun one. And then the last one is you seek to encourage and build up with your words, not tear each other's down. And this is kind of the big picture. This is how you actually physically love people. A lot of people think, yeah, you're supposed to love people by giving them food and serving them in all these different ways, and that's true, but the biggest way that you can actually show love to others is in how you relate to other people, specifically in your actions and blessing them, but also with your mouth. Three out of the four things, this is kind of crazy when you think about it, deal specifically with your language and how you respond to people with your language. What's up, Josh? the Bible say that the greatest love someone can show to another person is to lay their life down mm-hmm. for them? Yeah, the, the great uh, no greater love than this, and laying laying down one's life for your friends, and then their true religion is this: looking after widows and orphans. Okay. So yeah, that was those that one's in James. But here's the deal, okay? How is this loving others? by not lying and not stealing and building each other up. How is this actually loving people? And this is actually how it is, okay? It's the complete opposite. Remember, before and after pictures, it's putting other people's needs above your own. So I want you to write that down underneath that point. Number one is put other people's needs above my own. Put others people's needs above my own. And telling the truth and not lying, we like to make ourselves look better or a lie to get out of something. Here's my problem we like to exaggerate our stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yo, the fish was like this big. And it just popped into the boat. Like, I don't know what happened. It just popped up. We like to over-exaggerate or we like to under-exaggerate. Like, you know, I only took like, you know, like two Skittles. No, don't bro. You took two boxes. Like, come on. No, like don't lie. We like to over-exaggerate. We like to under-exaggerate because we don't want to look bad. We want to look good in front of other people. We don't care about them. We just want to make sure that we're actually okay. But the more and more and more and more and more you lie, here's the crazy thing. The less and less, the less people trust you. If you want to train your parents to trust you, Stop lying. That's just flat out. If you want to earn your parents' trust, actually put your money where your mouth is. When you say you're going to do something, do it. If you want to actually lose the faith and like even just the blessing of your boss, tell the truth. When you say you're going to do something, do it. Don't lie. Get out of it. Just say, yeah, this is what happened. Bosses will always always choose an honest person over someone who's lying now you might still get fired like let's just be honest you might still get fired but always 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 seek to tell the truth because that means you care more about them knowing the truth and you don't care how you look now specifically with dealing with our anger it says be angry and don't sin don't let the sun go upon your wrath and here's the deal okay it's actually okay to be angry about certain things you guys know that it's okay to be mad it's okay to be ticked about certain things and certain, no, don't look at your sister, Josh. No. Don't look at your sister. <laughs> it's okay to be angry about certain things like bullying. It's very okay to be mad about that. Cheating. It's very okay to be mad about that. You know, Michigan State football. So, very okay to be angry at them all the time. <laughs> yeah. Dude, they don't win. You can be angry at them. It's okay. What about basketball? basketball, dude, they what's up? Um, how about this one? We're going to, like, this is getting real. Sex trafficking. You should get mad about that. You should get upset about that hypocrisy like in like churches too churches who aren't really on mission who are just trying to like you know prosperity gospel things these are things that are okay to be mad about but this passage i don't think is dealing with righteous anger it's actually be angry and do not sin i think what the apostle paul this is just mark speaking here just so you guys know i think what the apostle paul is mainly talking about is when someone directly makes you mad when someone actually hurts you now not necessarily like offends you because offends is just the word like the throw like people go on to me hey mark i'm offended you watch harry potter i'm like <clears throat> okay what you gonna do like uh, it's okay i like like it's okay but when people are very it's, it's, yeah i actually really enjoy it but you know harry's just stupid sometimes it's just life but offense is different thing i'm talking about when people actually directly go out of their way to hurt you Intentionally hurt you and it makes you mad, or let's be honest, unintentionally hurt you because people just run their mouths and it ends up hurting you. I do that to so many people. If I ever done it to you, come with me and I'll apologize because that's not okay. But you actually need to learn how to address your anger, uh, address your anger with that. We'll talk more about that here in a little bit with forgiveness. But if we keep moving on, it talks about we will take what is not ours, but we, rather we would bless others. The Apostle sa- Paul says, rather than steal, work for what you want. And if you see something and you want it, just don't take it, work for it. It's kind of like the kids who want the cookie. Elliot doesn't want to be good to get what he wants. He doesn't want to eat his dinner to get the sucker. He just wants it now, so he goes and he takes it. That's not okay. If you want something, work for it. And here's the cool thing the Apostle Paul says, okay? He says, don't just work for work's sake, okay? Don't just work so that you can build up your own fortune. What does he say? He says work so that way you can have and then bless, bless who others Others. that's putting other people's needs ahead of your own you know here's the thing that i heard in a book called hope of nations it's actually a very doom and gloom book the fact that we're going to hell in a handbasket and most christians are okay with that but what can the church do to correct course the author said we are the richest church ever in the history of the world but we are the less, or we are less likely to give others financially because it supposedly hurts us. Like, we're the richest the church has ever been, but we're the most, like, like, we want to hang on to our money because we have retirement. We have this, and 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 and all these things that we have to have. But if you go to other cultures, like African cultures, Indian cultures, Middle Eastern cultures, these people have nothing, but they will give you everything. They will give you everything. They will give you the shirt off their back because they want to bless you. That's what a Christian is all about. It's not just about taking what is not yours, but it's also not just earning what is yours, but it's also taking that and blessing someone else with that. The last one is we seek to encourage and build up with our words and not tear other people down. When you look at the passage, uh, go back to chapter 4 again. We're still there. It says in verse twenty nine, no foul language should come out of your mouth, but is only what is good and forbearing, or good for building up someone in need. Now, let me just ask you guys this question: When you read the verse, you know, twenty nine, where it says no foul language should come from your mouth, what do you instantly think of? Just be honest. A word. <laughs> Who beeped? Who beeped? That was like, beep. Like yo, we think of cuss words, we think of dirty words, we think of like, oh, those like you got a potty mouth, Eli. Like, that's what we think of when we think of this words. But here's the deal. This is just, I mean, this is, this is me speaking, all right, too. I think a lot of people use this passage as a soapbox to say Christians shouldn't cuss. But here's the deal, okay? This passage actually isn't talking about cussing. This passage is not saying, like when the Apostle says, don't let no foul language, people like to just stop and say, like, look, that's it, no foul language, no cussing, that's it. We're just going to park it right there. But the Apostle Paul, I can probably bet that he was not thinking of certain four or five-letter words that we like to use, just kind of like, boom or like, you know, like you, like, I don't think the apostle Paul was actually had that in mind when he wrote the passage. So here's the question. What did the apostle Paul have in mind when he wrote this question? We're going to get into it, Joshua. Hold on. I'm going to buckle up, baby. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Here we go. So here's why I think people use this passage to say, just don't cuss. Just don't. It's easier to have a list of yes and nos and right and wrongs to follow. It's very easy to just say, this is it, this is right, this is wrong, that's it, the world is very black and white. But here's the deal, that's not the way Christianity has ever been. In fact, that's what we call legalism, all right, or Pharisee, like Phariseeism or whatnot. Here's what I mean by that, okay? In the Old Testament times, the Pharisees, which you guys know the Pharisees, right? We hate them, but not really, we're not supposed to, but that's what all Christians do. So the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they made a ton of rules Tons and tons and tons of rules. In fact, I've, I don't remember what the number of rules there are, but it's so, like, it's, it is an ridiculous amount of rules that sometimes don't even make sense. And here's some rules that they have actually instituted in the Jewish faith. But before we jump into those, because those are a lot of fun, there's something that was written called the Ten Commandments. These are the ten laws that God said, I want you guys to follow from, the Mount, from Mount Sinai, the Mosaic Covenant. We talked about that a few weeks ago. In those Ten Commandments, there was, you know, ten of them, but one of them said, keep the what? Or remember the what and keep it holy. Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. What's remembering the Sabbath all about? It's just a time where you're not supposed to work. You're supposed to rest. You're supposed to enjoy God. That's how God wrote. it. And Jesus even said that that you know man wasn't made for the Sabbath. That was made for man. It's supposed to give you time. It's supposed to give you a break, just so you can enjoy the work that you've done. Enjoy being with God. Enjoy being with your family. But it's very hard to know what is actually work and what is actually rest because work for me might be rest for you. Like there's some people who their rest is mowing their yard. For me, I'm one of those people. Being outside, working outside is not work for me at all. I thoroughly enjoy it. But there's some people who that is work. So is that working or is that rest? I don't know. We're living in the tension. The Pharisees are like, we're not going to do it. We're going to make it black and white. These are the rules. But the God didn't intend for these rules. They were just like, we're just going to have these rules. because it's easier to say, no, that's wrong. Yes, that's right. That's just the way it is. And here's some of the rules that they actually in- instituted for the Sabbath day they actually had a rule of how many specific sticks you could pick up in one day for it to not count as work. Like, you can only pick up this amount of sticks. Here's another one. There was only a certain amount of steps that you could take away from your house to be considered rest and not working. It was not very far. So, like, if you went one step beyond it, you stint. Like, that's just how crazy it was. Here's another one. You can't sew a single stitch on the Sabbath because that is work. Or another one is you can't cook anything on the Sabbath because that is also work. Here's another one. You can't start a fire on the Sabbath. Or even better, if a fire started, you can't even (laughs) extinguish it. If your house is burning down, sorry, you can't work. Watch it burn. Like literally, that was one of the rules. And another one, right? This is my favorite one, okay? On the Sabbath day, you could not write more than two letters on a piece of paper. (laughs) Or... Or, 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 so by the way, y'all just thinned in here in the last like 10 seconds. But, but that's, not the Sabbath. Oh, it is. that's true. That's actually very true because that was from Saturday. Uh, but I'm sure you didn't follow that either. But, or here's the other one, okay? You can't write more than two letters, you also can't erase. More than two letters on a sheet of paper because it's just easier for people to say this is the right way This is the wrong way. They don't like to live in the tension. So I this is this is this is my personal opinion I think a lot of people with Language it's just easier to say these words are good. These words are bad and that's just it But here's the problem with that, okay Some words people think are bad and other people think they're okay. Like if I said the word crap in front of my mom, she used to say, stop cussing. Or Nathaniel. Or Nathaniel. But here's the deal. You ask people about that. And I was even looking at, reading some, listening to podcasts and whatnot. And one person's grandma thought the word, like, potty was a cuss word. So when, you, when he asked his kid, hey, do you need to go potty? His grandma said, stop teaching your son how to cuss. And he's like... I just want to make sure he doesn't want to pee his pants. Like, that's it, Grandma. Like, that's it. Like, and there's other words that sometimes are more crude and sometimes not. And people like to just put words into categories where they're right and whether they're wrong. And here's the deal. The Apostle Paul, I don't think, was trying to create a separation in the barrier. Because what does the Apostle Paul say to use with your words? He says, any words that do not build people up but rather tear people down are sin. He raised the level of conversation. He didn't just say, okay, these words are bad, these words are good, just do what you want with them from there. No. The Apostle Paul said, let no foul language, no let no corrupt. Another one is no demeaning language, depends on your translation. In other words, don't use words that tear others down. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've been found, you should not be tearing other people down with your words. You should not. The only thing that should leave your lips is words that encourage and build people up. So here's the question then, okay? I know you guys are all thinking, you probably didn't listen last like 10 minutes, but you're probably thinking, okay, Mark, so can I cuss then? <laughs> like, can I, can I just like, you know, I, I am free in Jesus. I can do whatever I want, right? I'm just gonna like just stay this. If, if the world thinks certain words are bad, you probably should just go along with it, all right? Like, you, if, if, if people have to censor certain words on TV because they're not appropriate, they're probably not appropriate for you as believers. But here's what I'm trying to set the picture of, okay? Language is a lot more than just the specific words you use, but it's how you use your language. Here's what I mean by that. I know some people who claim to, I, I actually know people who claim to be Christians who have worse mouths some of my friends who are not safe, and drop the F-bomb every other word. Do you get that? I know people who claim to be Christians who have worse mouth than some of my unsaved friends who cuss a lot. And here's why. The Apostle Paul says, it's not just the words you say, it's how you say them. They constantly gossip behind people's back. They constantly lie right in front of people's faces. They constantly slander. In other words, they're trying to demean people. They're talking like, like someone, like they're trying to like just just hate on their name and just hurt them and tear them down. Tear them. Wow, that was weird. They just tear them down. And they use hurtful words. In other words, these are people who claim to be followers of Jesus, but they use language that I have never, ever heard encourage anybody. They just constantly put people down and tear people down, whether they're there or they're not. And I know a friend of mine who, she's not saved, and I've never heard her speak anything but positive words. Now, they might have an F-bomb sprinkled all throughout the sentence, but at the same time, I've met, like she always is encouraging us, even in my job as a pastor, and she doesn't follow after Jesus. It's not just the words you use, but it's more so the wor- how you use those words. So, again, I don't want to hear you dropping F-bombs anytime soon, okay? Don't be calling people bees, okay? Don't do that, because people think... And now it just light bulb clicked, okay? But here's the deal. If people say, if the society says, yeah, that's probably not a good word, you probably shouldn't use it because you got, I mean, if people are like, okay, you're a follower of Jesus, but you use worse language than me? No, I don't think so. But at the end of the day, it's not just the words you use. Remember, it's how you use your words. So as a follower of Jesus, you need to make sure you're building other people up with your words and not turning other people down. Soapbox done. You got it? Got it? Cool? Get it? Get Got it good? All right. So second point. You guys are like, dang, when are we going to get out of here? That's okay. This one's going to be very short, okay? Here's the second thing that a Christian should be marked on, okay? is found people love others despite their shortcomings. Uh, what? Uh, found people love others despite, D-E-S-P-I-T-E, despite their, T-H-E-Y, apostrophe R-E, just kidding, no. Despite their shortcomings. And no, not like height. I was Not was Found people love. You. How about this? Found people love stupid people. Is that better? Found people oh. love stupid people. Like In that's, the that's too bad. here's the deal. When you read the passage, at the very end, you see all this stuff about, yeah, you know, use good language, don't get angry and sin, um, don't steal, but rather earn and give all these different types of things. But the Apostle Paul ends it with one little sentence, and it's probably the hardest sentence you will ever have to keep. And that sentence is this, even if people hurt you, forgive them always. Be kind and always forgive. This is going to be the hardest thing ever because this is not a conditional thing, okay? It's really easy to forgive someone when it's not really that big of a deal, right? Someone bumps you in the hallway. Oh, sorry. uh Oh, no, you're good. You're okay. You know, right? You know, like what? Someone takes your candy. Okay, you're pretty ticked off about them, but at the same time, you forgive them because it's just some Skittles, okay? Don't take my Skittles, but it's just some Skittles. But But it gets extremely hard when people go after your name, when people attack your family, when people try to get you fired. When your best friend stabs you in the back, when your boyfriend cheats on you with your best friend, getting real. When people intentionally intentionally try to make you look like an idiot that they think you are. It is extremely impossible, and I would say it is impossible to forgive other people, and that's why you need to forgive them anyways. What? That doesn't make sense. Why? Why should you forgive that? And the past is and why why? What? Because Jesus loved you, so told you, you should love others. Because Jesus and everything. Flip the word to forgive instead of love. For, because Jesus forgave others, so you should forgive every uh, others. <laughs> <laughs> it says, gave you nailed it. You got it. You got, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, forgive others because God first forgave you. And you might be thinking, what did I do to God? Like, what did I do to God that God had to forgive me for? How about this? Because of your sin... God had to send his son into the world for him, his son to die. So in other words, just you living caused Jesus to die. But God still forgave you. Last time I checked, ain't no one killed your son or daughter yet. Or was the reason why they had to die. But at the same time, God still loved you and it, here's the deal at the end of the day, because God loves you and continues to love you and continues to forgive you and did forgive you, now you need to forgive others. Is it impossible to do? You better believe it's impossible to do. If I like it, I almost bet it's not going to happen. Besides through the power of Jesus and knowing that God can help you forgive other people. When you are have been found by God, these are your marching orders. This is your expectation that you actually have. And here's your big idea, okay? As a follower of Jesus, as someone who's being found, here is in one little sentence what's expected of you, okay? This is the big idea. The big idea. Right living requires sacrificial living.
1: Right living requires
0: sacrificial living. Yeah, like correct. R I T E. Wait, R-I-T-H-D. But <laughs> Hey, I'd never do a spelling bee. Obviously. So, I'll let Nicole tell you good about her spelling bee experience later. Right living, right? right living requires sacrificial living. Right living requires sacrificial living. And here's the deal, okay? This is your marching orders as a Christian. If you have been found by God, if you are a follower of Him, if you have said, yes, I'm following for Jesus, you are required to sacrifice everything for others. You are required to, you are, how about this? You are expected by God to encourage others with your words. You're expected by God to, yeah, be angry about certain things, But to deal with your anger appropriately, going to that person and reconciling with them. You are actually called to bless others with the riches that you have. And before you even think you're rich, last time I checked, you ate three meals a day and you have a house over your head. Way more than what most people overseas have. Way more. You are actually expected to also forgive others when they intentionally run you over with a truck. You are, you are expected to do that. If you have not been found by Jesus, if you're not a Christian, here's the kind of deal. You don't have to worry about it. You can keep on living your own life, living for yourself, and what's a show for it at the end. You guys know the deal. You guys know what the gospel is. The gospel is the fact of we once were lost, but now we're found. That's the whole point of this series is the fact that God has always gone after lost people. If you think you're lost, if you feel like you're lost, if you feel like there's something wrong, if my life is broken, I don't know what's going on. My life does not look like it's supposed to look. The Bible just says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But for those of us who are Christians, for those of us who have actually claimed to follow after Jesus, and you quite didn't know what's expected of you, you can't say that anymore. Can't say it. You can't say it or not. You don't know what you're supposed to do as a Christian. You do know now. You are required to live sacrificially and look out for the needs of others more than the interests of yourself. And that starts with your language and how you talk to other people, that's how you view other people, that's how you treat other people, and that's how you actually show love to other people. So as people who once were lost and now are found, that is what Jesus expects from you. Got it? Good.